in the space in the digital workplace i i think that there is something missing to where we still have to provide customer service it's a dying art right not my problem most people want to say or, or send you to the next person i like to think what we've created within the company is a group of individuals that truly care about the individuals that need to be productive and get them back up and running because we have a saying if you're in our queues we're not making money hi i'm paul miller and this is digital workplace impact where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people that are impacting the new digital worlds where we all work. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry through membership, benchmarking and boutique consulting services. And if you'd like more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. I sat down with Douglas Pamplin from BNY Mellon. Douglas is responsible for the service desk of the New York-based Global Bank and is a great character in the industry. He brings a lot of passion, effort, intensity to things and is a really uh, amazing guy. I, I don't really fully understand how the whole service desk help desk works but what I noticed with Douglas is he he kind of picks up on new technologies and 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 sort of slots them in to see how complex organizations like BMY Mellon can can make use of them and um, it was a pleasure talking to him now for Douglas it's great to be sitting here with Douglas Pamplin uh, from Bank of New York BNY Mellon we're in uh, the Wells Fargo building um, in Market Street in the center of San Francisco. We've just come out of the, one of the member meetings here. Um, just before we get into the topic of today, Douglas, which is going to be around, I'll call it kind of social media hits the enterprise, um, the intersection between uh, a, a world of connection, collaboration, etc., and and kind of the governance that's required in an organization just tell me from the from the meeting that we've just been in this morning douglas what's what's kind of stuck in your mind from this morning oh wow well thanks so much for um having me here it's been a pleasure long journey over but well <laughs> worth the trip from the topics of discussion that we've had today the biggest one for me that i can identify with is what we've discussed about our chatbot conversation we've been on chatbots for two years now and the just other for people one, who don't know what a chatbot is what what, what so, we so chatbot is kind of like an artificial intelligence but just not so much with the intellect. It's not machine learning. It's something to where we have to constantly program it mm. to be able to assist our end users, our customers with their inquiry. We've made a conscious decision to start small, not boiling the ocean. Mm -hmm. So our virtual assistant or chatbot is directed in passwords. So assisting end users with resetting or unlocking their passwords. Okay, okay. And so what about this morning has stuck with you around that? 
what stuck with me about it is how more are getting into this space. Okay. This was a space that was unchartered, I would say probably a couple of years back. But now you hear about chatbots more and more into the environment. And it's very interesting of how we are using them in the IT world today mm. to assist us with uh, doing our jobs. So w- why did your organization get into the, the chatbot field pretty early on we got into it it was a way that where we were trying to move our service desk to be subject matter expert driven so things major problems in the environment if we're having problems with mainframes or file transfers or anything in the um micro microsoft office suite we wanted our agents to be able to focus in that space truly first call resolution we were challenged with trying to get rid of what we would call busy work and busy work is such as passwords right that's something we could automate and have a machine do versus having humans spend the time doing so so that was one of our goals on bringing the bots into our environment to kind of siphon off how to's or password resets um uh, status of an incident, those type of things. We felt you did not necessarily need an interaction with them in person mm. to tell you those things, and the virtual assistant would be able to do that. And, and when you set about something like that, do you then go and acquire a piece of technology that allows you to do it, or do you build it yourself? I mean, how, how do you start? Because, I mean, we're still in, I would say, the kind of infancy around mm-hmm. virtual assistants and what they can do. I would agree. For us, our solution was build it yourself. We had um, a CIO that was very um, innov- in, in what's the word? Innovative. I want to say yes. Mm-hmm. In trying to where he thought that we could do a lot of things ourselves instead of going to other companies or purchasing software to do so. So we took advantage of that, and we had great success in doing it. In our chatbot capabilities that we rolled out in uh, July of 2017, we successfully have been able to reset um, 174,000 um, interactions with that of coming in, of getting end users back up and running, and they didn't use um, a human at all. What was other cool about that is, in with technology today, people like to self-service themselves. You know, in your personal life, right, which I try to mirror what we do at work and to bring that into our personal life, I'm not calling a service desk for help. I figure it out or they've given me the capabilities to be able to do so. So we thought that we bring that experience to work in our professional environment. And that aspect, it's worked very well for us. Mm. Do you think people want to do this because they don't like talking to human beings or just because it's kind of less efficient or what's what's because I I see that in my own. Right. You know, it's like I had to call unnamed bank, not your bank. Right. Um, you know, when you start traveling, you know, they pick up card transactions and stuff right. like that. And, and actually just calling somebody is, is even 
if it's working well, it's kind of painful. Right. Yes. And and you know and and I hate I I was on that bandwagon, the helpless desk, the useless <laughs> desk, that sort of kind of thing. So yes, and it was basically because of the wait times. Mm. And then sometimes depending on um, who you got, you know, you didn't necessarily see eye to eye or agree, and it was a frustrating experience, or you thought the person was talking over your head. So yes. People do not want to call. But I also think that it's a generation thing. I think those of us that have been around a lot longer, we grew up with depending on humans to assist us. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, we had a culture that said if you experience any technical difficulties, call your service desk Mm -hmm. or call your help desk. So we for years, decades, right? We beat that behavior into our employees. Now I want you to do something different. Mm. Well, for us, I think the, the younger generation that's coming along, that's all they know is helping themselves, mm. you know, in that environment. Your community exists in a social media form to we're able to mm. get assistance. Mm. So I think it's kind of a mixture. One, a consistent message to call for help when you experience something. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the other side of it, it is where you don't necessarily want help to be able to assist that's that's an interesting um kind of process so i mean the other thing i mean so what use cases have you found for virtual assistance inside the bank so we started small because the first thing they advise you is when you are doing chatbots do not boil the ocean. You'll drive yourself crazy. And that's absolutely correct. So we started in the small space with password resets. The next use case that we want to be able to go to is simple things on how to do something. After that, we want to move into where it could assist us when a customer needs software. And you go into our software store and let's say for whatever reason, it doesn't download properly. We want to be able to train our bot to be able to help you in that process. So that's the next use case that we're taking on. So software that one that was problematic for the end user to download themselves and two If there was a software that you had to purchase through the bank, through our procurement program, because we don't have a structured deal in place with that, so we had to go get it. Once it was approved from our procurement team, we want the bot to take it from there and do the install for you. So Mm. that's next on our list. Okay, okay. So you're picking off kind of specific things that would just make the process easier, smoother, quicker. Yes, yeah. correct. Yeah. And doesn't really require a lot of brain work to no, be able to do. No, no, that, no, no. And it's interesting. So have you, w- would you say that the whole virtual assistant chatbot world from what you've been hearing this morning here in San Francisco is, is kind of a lot more organizations have arrived in that I would def- I would definitely agree. It's, mm. it's definitely a space um, worth venturing in. Mm. I would also say that I think a large part of our community has 
accepted it in some type of way. Um, you know, we were just um, in in the class to where we were playing, you know, the human got a chance to be the bot and the bot got a chance to be the human right. to where we're trying to understand a little bit more about the thing. So one of the big things that we were that we're, we were seeing that's missing in the bot is once it has successfully given you an answer, that it checks back for confirmation to see mm. did I answer your question. Mm. And we learned quickly in that that there's so many different ways that you can say yes you did we mm. had customers that just put in a capital y some that put in a small y yeah. then you have the word yes then you have the word correct then you yeah. have the word you Got know it. that you yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. which you have to now train the bot yeah. to be able to say okay these are positives i now can move on yeah yeah no that's that that's interesting um is there another what do you think the sort of next area because it strikes me that that the first bit of ai coming into the enterprise is through these virtual assistants chatbots mm -hmm. do you see another area of kind of business work that that would be subject to some new kind of oh yes i i, I mean for us it could be processing hmm. Um, getting access to be able to do something instead of an email or a workflow system being able to move throughout the organization to get approvals, you can have a bot that does that. Yeah. You know, a pop up and say, you know, what the scenario is, do you approve, disapprove, and, and move things forward. Um, applications of gaining access to something mm. once i've checked that all of the authorized people have signed off on it mm. instead of me now going into the library and saying okay paul needs access to a b c and d mm. i could have the once i said all of the authorized approvers are here i can tell the bot to go ahead and do that so it'll take it so there's so many different use cases mm. that we could utilize this mm. for so absolutely and it is some um, fine-tuning and picking where you want right. to go because once you do one, I think that kind of gives you your bearings on what to do, but so that you don't drive yourself crazy, I think it's best to focus mm. on one side. Is there any is there any sort of tips or advice you would give for somebody quite new to this? You know, any any sort of um, things that that uh, if somebody's coming at it to it fresh, what you would do? Um, the, the the big thing is that we've learned, and Gartner speaks of this is do not boil the ocean. We've right. seen so many people. So that's the number one. Mm. Funding, patience, right. um, group sessions to really walk the process through. Okay. Making sure, because sometimes in this process, one of the things that we learned, our procedures were not as crisp and clean right. as we had hoped. Yeah. So when you have that challenge, it's hard to now give the direction sure. to the sure. bot and then make sure that there's a consensus amongst the team that mm. this is what we want to do and where we want to go. Yeah. Sometimes you can have division at that and that would too slow your program yeah. down. Yeah, right. Uh, and um, just changing tack a little bit, Douglas, because mm -hmm. we, 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 we were chatting just before we, before we uh, started recording about right. – this topic of social media, as I put it, hits the enterprise, you know, this, this collision. Right. What's, what's, I mean, 
what's the approach inside BNY Mellon and how does this issue kind of manifest itself? Well, one, one of the things that, you know, we were talking about, so dealing with the social media aspect of it, where from a service desk, one of the things that keeps me up at night is bad information traveling very fast. Mm. Something to where one of our um, team members, let's say, for argument's sake, found a way to solve an issue. But the way that they went about it might go against some of our policies or might be more harmful in their resolution to what we would propose. And it's now trying to get the word out that that's not correct and you do not want to do that. With social media being part of the digital workplace productivity gain, mm. you might say, by sharing information faster. For me, it's now stopping bad information from being replicated throughout the company. Right. Okay. And could you give me an example, um, maybe one where, you know, it's, it's, I mean, because people have talked to each other inside companies. Yes. Forever. Yes. Um, but we didn't have this kind of almost like viral power of things right so um but it's an employing it's an employment situation so there are kind of governance there's protocols so how does that could you give me an example of, of so so with that it would so you know information sharing i mean other than the you know the known do nots that you would not do you know someone could think very innocently that this is not a bad thing to be able to share. Mm. So for us, we have people that monitor mm. our internal social media looking for things such as that. Oh, right. Are you they know, part of the compliance team? They're, no, they're, they're part of the service desk. Okay. Because the service desk would know if this is the right answer, if mm. this is the right approach. Okay. Or... We're able to get a right answer in okay. there to be able to help. Because social media, in our opinion, or my opinion, I should say, it should not circumvent the service desk. It should aid it, mm. but aid it in a way to where we're putting the information out and we're answering the questions and mm. not someone coming up with a solution to mm. broadcast. Now, if you wanted to talk to a member of the service desk or the person who's doing it and see if this works, that's absolutely fine. But right. just saying, oh, this worked for me and thinking that'll work for mm. everybody else, that's where I think we run into problems. So it's not just a question of applying HR policy. Um, I mean, because there's been a HR policy around what people can actually do, what they can say for a long, long time before, right. you know, the digital workplace arrived. Are you saying that because of the nature of the digital workplace, because of its capability, speed, the share of the ability for it to be shared comes with new a whole new set of challenges. Absolutely. Hmm. Right. Because in the, in the case that we're talking about, the employee hasn't broken any rules. Right. They encountered a technical 
problem right and they found the way to solve it themselves the right. debate is is that the best way mm. to solve it you know protecting the equipment you know what you have done will it damage our equipment further or was there a, a better approach to be able to do this like mm. could it have been something that we could have put on our desktop packaging and rolled it out to everybody mm. and now instead of having people who do not specialize in the IT space now fixing their computers, which for the most part belongs to the company. Sure, yeah. And um, what's people's reaction when they when they sort of hear that they've, I'll say, transgressed? Or, right. But, but you know, it's even if it's innocent. Right. Yes. I mean, and so far they've been for the ones that we have caught, it has been very positive mm. because. The thing that, you know, that I like about my fellow team members is they're not trying to do anything maliciously. Mm. They're trying to solve a problem that they experienced and some of their peers may be experiencing. And it, at the end, it may seem like it's a win-win, right? They didn't have to call the service mm. desk. Mm. And at the same time, people were able to self-serve or yeah. self-heal themselves in mm. their technology we just want to just make sure they're doing it the mm. right way and when and do these uh, examples where you have to intervene do they then sort of create a, a sort of culture of where people are a bit more aware of what the kind of protocols are yes and then We've, we, we, we do these things called text expos where we get out there and we talk mm. about various topics. And one of the things in that information sharing is we start by putting a question in there and then getting someone from the IT space to be able to answer that question. Mm. And then we're able from the social media tools that we use, we're able to mark this as the best practice or the right answer. So, so could, now you, could you give me an there. example of a question that would get asked and what are what a, um, what a, what a question a, that would be asked. So, you know, storing of passwords in the okay. system. Yeah, yeah. Even though it may provide ease and you don't have to answer it all the mm. time, you should never store a password into the system because we change passwords. Right. And you won't always remember where you put that password at unless prompted. So what's your best practice on so the, the practice on the Do not put one in there. Just remember them. Remember your passwords. And when prompted to do so, like to put it in a special place, do not put it in there. You know, the best practice for us has been to lock your screen mm. and then unlock it to allow the password that you are using to replicate through the system okay. or the environment. Okay. Okay. It does take a little time yeah. to go through all yeah. the systems, yeah. and that should fix the problem. Mm. And is this trying to make sure that your systems are as, as secure as possible? Is it trying to make sure that people don't do things that they shouldn't do that could then be released outside? No, in, 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 in this particular case, like I don't have with our employees of doing things that could be released outside. I do things to protect the life of the equipment mm. and the programming that's on it. And sometimes by you thinking that this is the best solution, it's really not. Mm. It could be, but we need to go to the subject matter experts of that mm. to make sure that that is. Okay. So I, I should have asked you this at the beginning, Douglas. So just describe your role because it, it's, it's something it's, it involves the word right. help desk somewhere, <laughs> but it's more than right. that. Isn't well, you it? know, I hate the word help desk. Yeah. It drives me nuts. Yeah. It's so limited Let's in scope. Help so we go with, um, you know, the, 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 the service uh, desk. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I assist our end users within the company of getting back up and running when okay. they when they run into technical challenges and then try to see how we can move ahead with more programs to self-heal, self-aware, or self-help. Okay, and you do this for the organization globally? Correct. So how many how many people are you essentially responsible for making sure it's remaining productive? I'm responsible for approximately about 200 people, and we do a service between a level one support and a level two remote support. Right. So trying to at least address the call, seeing if we can kill it on the first call. If not, we transfer to our second tier, which has a little bit more time to work on the issue. And if they're not successful, we either then reach out to mm. engineers or actually what we were refer to people feet to the floor or people in the sites that can take a closer look at the desktop and um how are you covering all the employees of the bank yes and that's how many employees it's approximately about fifty-five thousand. okay okay and and how often do, do is is a service desk required 24 by 7 right yeah i mean um yes okay so it's it's about building kind of resilience it's about making sure it sounds like there's quite an important education side to it right um the educational side to it i would say when you're stuck Mm. better to reach out to the service desk to be able to see how you go about getting something done yeah even if you don't know what to do the service desk often knows Mm. uh who can assist you or who can help you in that particular environment or with that challenge um, sometimes things go bump up in the night, files mm. are not received, applications go down. Mm. So we're also there, too, to escalate those things, mm. to get them back on track, working with team members throughout the bank to call in the right subject matter expertise to mm. resolve the issue. Mm. Mm. Okay. And what happens when you go on holiday? When I go on holiday, you I have off or you? I have nope. I have great team members that will be able to mm. assist in my absence as yeah. part of getting a good manager. The show doesn't just stop because <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. gone, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, and and how did you end up in this role? Because it's it's quite a sort of. I, I mean, obviously, all organizations will have this, but what was your trajectory that got you into managing this this group of two hundred people who were essentially supporting the effectiveness and productivity of the bank right mine was brought in strategically to see how we could service our customers a lot better Mm. Um, i wasn't from the it background per se my background is more so in stock transfer and back office processing Mm. so but i grew up in the call center to where i know a lot about how it works Mm. and i was brought in to restructure and to unite we were global organization we had several different call centers all over the place so we united one we united them making one call center that represents the bank it was easier for um, us to know all of our technical challenges that were out there. So by everything coming into the service desk, we could co- collect a huge amount of data and go back to our business owners and let them know how either the service or the product was performing based on our interactions with the customer. Mm. So that's how I got started um, in, the, in, in the call center. But but. In the space, in the digital workplace, I I think that there is something missing to where we still have to provide customer service. It's a dying art, 
right? Not my problem, most people want to say, or, or send you to the next person. I like to think what we've created within the company is a group of individuals that truly care about the individuals that need to be productive and get them back up and running. Because we have a saying, if you're in our queues, we're not making money. Mm. So let's get you quickly out of our queues so that you can go out there and service the clients and make the money. And at the same time, report the challenges that we're facing back to a service or business owner so that they can make the product or the service more efficient. Mm. Are there particular parts of the business that you that need this support more than others? I would say it's even. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So um, anything else you'd like to, to add? Any uh, closing thoughts based on the meeting we've just had or just reflections on your own kind of work? Mine would be kind to a service desk professional. <laughs> They're really doing their best to get you back up and running. As I remind some of our customers, I know when you do have to reach out, you're usually at your wits end. Mm. And sometimes you don't necessarily get the answer mm. that you may want to hear because mm. we may not have the expertise mm. to be able to solve your issue. We do our best, mm. but in some cases, our best is still not good enough. Mm. So I would just remind folks that we're people too. Mm. We're on the same team. We're yeah. not against you. And just to remember that when calling, sometimes when most people call, you know, we have this thing where you're not calling me to chat to see if I caught the game last night. What am I going to be doing for the week? And you're calling because your IT experience has been interrupted. Mm. And now you're at the mercy of someone getting you back up and running. Yeah. So just have a little patience in that. Yeah. That's what I would say. I mean, because obviously... On the internet side of things, the, the people just go onto YouTube and there's a solution right. to pretty much every problem. Absolutely. You know, if I've got a problem with a lawnmower, if I've got a problem with some kind of machine, a bit of, it's like there's somebody pumping out how-to guides. Absolutely. What? The challenge with that is because applications are prioritary to the company mm. they're not on, on a youtube yeah have you so thought you can't about do using that. videos we, we oh, do, do have we do have okay. videos for basic things okay. like how to register your voice in one of our systems so that now your voice is the authentication right. or best practices on how to use some of the things so we do use them where they're appropriate it's just as we're in a changing time right where fixing a lot of the infrastructure that's there. We're improving that experience. So I like to think that over a period of time, things will course correct themselves and we won't have as many challenges as we do today. They'll still be there, but I think there will be a smaller number of them mm. the way that we have today. And yesterday we, we, we popped down to the wells fargo digital labs mm -hmm. had a tour of some really interesting technology there is there anything particular that that sort of caught your eye oh a lot of it caught my eye um the mobile app I, I i definitely like it like one of the things that i'm truly mindful of and respectful of is the person's personal device mm. right you don't want to invade it to where you have to constantly keep putting applications on widget on it to communicate. Mm. So I like the thought 
that they're trying to be seamless behind the scenes, you know, there, but not there in a way to where it's intrusive to you. Mm. So the things that they are thinking about, I thought were just wow, because you don't think about a bank mm. that's this old doing something like that. You know, a Microsoft, a Google, you know, it wouldn't shock you if, if they yeah. introduced something like that. But what they're thinking about was phenomenal no what what do you think about the 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 headset that monitors your brain waves and right you think about your security password right and it and that and the, and the system recognizes it based right. on your brain waves i like that but then it's just scary because you know we're just off just thinking about passwords you know all right. the other thoughts that go yeah. on through a person well i mean what head. was amazing was that um, uh, Mark or Michael, who, yes. who did it? He, he, you could see him having to sort of get his brainwave pattern yes. to sort of quieten down. Yes, and then he was able to think of the password. So it's a bit like if you're too stressed out, you can't think of your password. Correct. You're panicking. You're in a rush. Pretty, pretty, but it kind of. Interesting and scary stuff. Yes. But, but then I noticed that you've got a, a smart fridge at home. Yes. Well, are you an early adopter of technology? I mean, I try to be where yeah. I can. I don't want to be one of those people that are frustrated. So at work, okay. I believe that it's good to be an early adopter because right. the thing is I don't want my customers okay. or fellow team members frustrated with the technology not working. So I take on a whole different approach okay. so to wanting to solve sort of the problem. Pick. Exactly. But when I'm at home, because I've purchased it now, <laughs> yeah. I want it to work. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. want it to work. I don't want to be a guinea pig in those situations. Right. So what's interesting is that refrigerator has been out for a while. Mm. It has definitely been out for a while, and I didn't purchase it when it first came out because I because when you talk to the sales rep or you tried to Google information, there was not enough data to know how that panel was going to operate. Mm. But it looks as though, I mean, and it, it has problems, knock on with it. I hope that I'm not experiencing any of them. But so far, it's been, it's, it's a mind-blowing experience. Mm. Well, the thing I liked about the... Uh the smart fridge was that its ability to diagnose its own problems. Yes. And then self-correct. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's great. It's I, like I, the I idea of right. autonomous vehicles sort of checking them, sort of realizing they need to they go to the garage. And right. While you've got it parked somewhere, it just sort of pops off. Yeah, pops up. I don't know. I can't. It, Even it the sort cars of does my head nowadays, in. right? <laughs> you know, my, my car, you know, and this is when I, when I first purchased it, that... You know, I was driving for a long period of time, and the car recognizes your driving pattern. Mm. So it, it, it recognized that I was driving a little longer than I should have. Okay. And it recommended to take a break. Mm. Yeah. That really just, it just popped up, take a break. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean take a break? No, we still have like two miles, I mean, two hours more in this journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much, Douglas. Great to thank talk you. to you. Thank you for, for coming on and sharing all of your experiences. That's great. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right. Digital Workplace Impact is produced by the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous episodes of the show, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com 
forward slash DWG underscore podcast. This is Paul Miller wishing you well until next time.